Welcome. Happy Easter, everyone. It is great to be together with you wherever you are watching or listening. If you're watching with other people, I want to encourage you to uh, give them a high five or a fist bump. Or, or maybe if you're practicing safe social distancing right now, you can give them a dab. Now, for all who are watching, especially those who are on phones or tablets or you're in uh, one of our watch parties, why don't you hit that, uh, that emoji button or that like button so that we all can celebrate together that we're watching this service together. Again, we are so glad that you're here. And I want to let you know before I begin, if you have any needs or you need prayer at any time, please alert somebody. Go into one of our online chat rooms and just let them know what you need and somebody will be there to pray with you or talk with you. Even though today we are in the midst of strange and challenging times, I want to make a declaration today. He is risen. Jesus is risen. He is alive. And in the midst of the darkness and the confusion, Jesus is still alive. You see, the prophet Isaiah made this declaration about 700 years before Jesus even came onto the earth, before his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He said this in Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Today, as we celebrate what Isaiah the prophet declared, that the hope of Christ is risen, that he is alive. As today is my Easter message, I want to make more of this declaration. Arise, shine, for your hope has come. You see, we can use the word hope there instead of light, that Jesus came to give us hope. Now, I, I want to start off by telling you a story. I, I remember as, as a teen that uh, going camping with some friends from my church, and we had a great day of hiking and swimming. We, we fished. We even caught our own food, and, and we had a great time of, of eating together and, and laughing. And, and when things got late, we finally turned in for the night to, to get some rest. And I remember that I just fell into my, that, that sleep zone. I was exhausted. I, I just I went right to sleep. But about 2 a.m., I was startled by flashes of lightning, claps of thunder. There's a fierce wind and torrential rain began to pour down all around me. The tent that my friend and I were in began heaving and twisting as the storm continued to intensify. In that moment, fear began to grip me. And a couple thoughts went through my mind. Now, some of them were serious, some were a little bit more humorous. First of all, my first thought was, I wonder if the quality of the tent we had it was one of those that came from a, a, like an outdoor store or if it was a cheap Walmart brand. And then I thought, are we going to survive? And as I began to think about this, I, I, I wondered in my mind, what happened to our peaceful day? It seemed like only a, a few moments before that everything was great. It was, it was wonderful and that now everything had changed and that a calm, wonderful day had turned into this spectacular and frightening storm. And here we were in this remote, dark place alone and very afraid. Because we live in Alberta, we understand that the weather here can change very quickly. In fact, as Calgarians, we often make this statement, if you don't like the weather right now, just wait a few minutes and it will change. We can have snow, freezing rain, fog, strong winds, and moments of warmth and peace and sunshine all in the same day. 
But it is those sudden storms that can bring a sense of apprehension and anxiety and sometimes even fear. Because every once in a while, they all sneak up on you and and come upon you so quickly that they catch you surprised and unprepared. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be surprised or unprepared. I, I don't really like sudden change. It can shake your confidence or create frustration and fear. The moments that we are experienced right now for many are, of us are like being caught in a sudden and unexpected storm. We're in a matter of moments for each one of our lives. Everything changed. Our world has been turned upside down. We went from, pre- from preparing for spring break getaways, uh, preparing to watch even the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, planning for grads, family barbecues, and other spring and summer events, to now experiencing job losses, wearing masks and gloves in public, uh, waiting online to buy groceries and other necessities, and even as we are today, watching church online in our pajamas. If you would have told me this was what was going to be happening two months ago, I would have told you that you were crazy. Regardless of whether you're prepared for the storm or you are caught off guard, we have no choice but to walk through it. And so I make this declaration today, arise, shine, for your hope has come. Today as we celebrate Easter, I try to imagine what it would have been like to live in Jerusalem during the time of Christ. To have been there for the Passover, the great celebration that focused on God's redemption of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, which at the time of Jesus had occurred almost 1,400 years before. Normally, this would have been a time of rejoicing and excitement in Jerusalem, but this Passover was different. The situation had changed suddenly, and the town was now in an uproar. Why? Because a radical teacher and prophet had been executed on a cross through crucifixion because he claimed he was the Son of God. In Mark chapter 15 of the Bible, starting in verse 33, it describes the last moments of Jesus as he was on the cross. And it says this, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachinini, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said. Let's see whether Elijah comes down to take him. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You know, as I read this, I often wonder what it would have been like for Jesus' disciples who had spent approximately three full years with him, giving their lives and their livelihood to serve him only to watch him die. I mean, they were there when he walked on the water. They watched in wonder as that occurred. They marveled when he had fed over 20,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. They experienced the awe and wondered when he healed the blind beggar and the crippled man and many others. They were speechless when he spoke peace to the winds and waves 
and they obeyed him. And just days before, they had witnessed Jesus as, as people waved branches, cheering wildly, some even bowing on the dirty street, a fitting recognition for a victorious king. I can imagine the thoughts that they were going through their mind. It must have seemed like he might be the one, the one that would deliver mighty Israel from the oppressive Roman regime and lead his people back to a place of superiority among the nations of the earth. In those moments, it would have been easy to think that the glory days, the freedom, the prosperity would soon be upon us, but now he was dead, and everything seemed dark and hopeless. Questions, questions, more questions. Why did he die? Why didn't he come down from that tree? Why didn't he save himself? How could he allow himself to die like a disgusting, common criminal? A true king would never let that happen. Maybe he is not who he said he was. And you see, I believe it's easy during times like that. It would have been easy for them to, 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 to feel some sort of fear or anxiety. You see, when the storms of life come and they hit us, it's easy to entertain fear and sometimes even question our faith. It's human nature. However, when your hope is not anchored in what you know, but in who you know, you can find peace in the midst of any storm. You see, I want to declare this to you today. I want to say this to you right where you're sitting. This season is not meant to destroy you or revile you, but to prepare and refine you for what will be next in your life. That when the season is not meant to take you out, but it's meant to move you forward. That when everything feels chaotic and out of control, there is one who is greater, one who does not sleep nor slumber, that is up to something good for those who love and put their trust in him, as it says in Romans 8.28. You see, I say this to you today. God has good intentions towards you. He has good things prepared for you. But it requires that you place your trust in him. Again, I say this, arise, shine, for your hope has come. But here's the reality. We we, we don't always see the whole picture, do we? We've all made decisions without always having full information, purchased something on the recommendation of a friend instead of doing our own research and it backfiring on us. Or or wrongly, maybe uh, 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 when our children were arguing, took one side over the other because we didn't hear the full story. We make judgments all the time without seeing the whole picture. When everyone thought that Jesus was dead, his spirit was alive and it was at work. And it was in those moments when he was in the, the grave that he was, had, was freeing from Hades, those who had died uh, before he had come as a savior, those who had waited in faith for their, 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 their savior, their Messiah to come. He was freeing those people. He also was in the place of stripping from the enemy, the devil, all of his power and authority that he held over the earth. I'm going to refer back to that in a moment. You see, even when we don't see it, Jesus is still working. And, and here's something else I, I believe that we, we experience in life. It is always the darkest before the light dawns. Back to my camping story, it was as we sat in our 
tent, what seemed like an eternity as this storm raged around us, all of a sudden, a glimmer of light began to disrupt the darkness. As the dawn began to take over from the night, the wind began to die down. The rain turned from torrents to a tame drizzle. And light started to illuminate our surroundings. In a few moments, the light began to chase the darkness and peace was restored. It was almost like nothing had happened. Isn't it true that many times in life, seems, things seem to get tougher before they get better? Before we overcome a challenge, we must face the fear associated with that challenge. We fumble and we bumble with the problem. And when it seems like frustration is the only thing that will win, we find the answer. We see the breakthrough. We, we experience the peace. But it is facing the darkness and doubt that leads to life, like the light of a new day. I say again, arise, shine, for your hope has come. In the Gospel of Mark, as we go forward, you come to verse 16, and it talks about Jesus and what is happening in his, with his body and his spirit right now. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 16, Saturday evening when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. He is risen from the dead. Look at the place where they laid his body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. You will notice that the Bible talks about the two Marys and Salome preparing the, the burial spices so they could go and anoint Jesus' body. The reason this was happening is that it was common practice for the deceased to actually be buried on the day that they died. And, and, and so then it was only close family members who over the next couple days would actually go to the burial place, which happened to be a tomb in this instance, and clean and wash the body and, and, and prepare it and, and make it ready for the seven-day mourning period that they were experiencing. But because of the heaviness of the stone, it would usually require more than one person to open the tomb. Now, because the Sabbath went from Friday night until Saturday night, the soonest that they could have cared for Jesus' body would have been on Sunday morning. Now, it's obvious that they were shocked when they arrived at the guarded tomb and that the stone had been removed and the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. What is the significance of the empty tomb for you and I? 
First, I want, I want you to understand this. Number one, that the stone or the heaviness had been removed. You see, the stone to Jesus' tomb was a large, heavy stone. It was, it was actually, it weighed over 2,000 pounds, over a ton. As well, the stone would have been rolled into place by moving it down a small slope into a recessed nook in a stone wall. It's comparable to how a, a sliding door works when you slide it into the wall of your house. But because of its weight, it would have been impossible for one person to move it by themselves. Now, the significance to you and I is this. As we journey through life, we accumulate burdens or experience heaviness in our hearts. We carry worried, uh, doubt, guilt, shame, and it robs us of peace. We get weighed down when we attempt to control uncontrollable situations. We were never meant to carry those things. But here's the catch. If you want to remove them, you cannot do it yourself. Just like it would have been impossible for one man to move the stone, you must allow Jesus to move these stones for you. You see, what is impossible for man is possible for Jesus. And here's what Jesus says about the life that he's called us to live. He says this, that my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. He says this in Matthew chapter 11:30 that he removes heaviness or heavy things for those who release them to him. As we surrender our doubts, our, our fears, our mistakes, even our sins, and we allow him to do the heavy lifting, that we allow him to take these things upon himself, and he exchanges it for his mercy, his grace, his freedom, and his peace. Many of you today are carrying burdens you were never meant to carry. Even in this moment, I want to encourage you to release them to Jesus. The second thing that's significant about the empty tomb is that the barricade or the barrier between you and God has been broken. Just like there are stones that keep people away from the body of Jesus, there's a barrier that keeps us from a relationship with God. That barrier is called sin. The Bible declares this, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It says that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Here's what this means. We're all natural-born sinners. We lie, we lust, we, we hate, we talk uh, uh, bad things about each other, we, we do things that we shouldn't do. And whether you commit one sin or a thousand sins, it's all the same. We are carriers of sin. And here's why that's a problem. God, because of his holiness, cannot be in the presence of sin. It creates separation or a chasm between us and God. We, so therefore, we need the sin to be removed. But the problem is that we cannot remove it ourselves. Only one who has not sinned could remove the barrier by paying the price for sin, the shedding of pure and innocent blood. So Jesus, who is 100% man and 100% God, came down to earth, lived a perfect life, and, and remove the barrier by shedding his innocent blood on the cross. Romans 5.8 says this, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, in doing so, 
He removed the barrier between us and God, giving us direct access and relationship with him. You see, it is through Jesus that we're able to have relationship with God. But in order for this to happen, we must be willing to give our lives to him by allowing him to lead us and guide us. We must be willing to give up our sin that is rooted in selfishness and put our trust in God. Here's the third significance of the empty tomb. The power of sin and death has been defeated. I'm one of those people, I don't know about you, but I like it when my team wins. It's more fun supporting a winner. You know, when you follow any sports team, and right now we're all kind of missing that opportunity to do that right now, uh, we realize that some games are close and others are blowouts. And, and I don't care uh, which one it is as long as my team wins. When Jesus surrendered his life on the cross, it was the greatest blowout in the history of mankind. In fact, not only in mankind, in the whole universe. You see, when Jesus was in the tomb, the Bible says that he completely and utterly destroyed Satan and his minions. He stripped them of all their power, all of their authority, and humiliated them in front of the heavenly Father, the heavenly hosts. This is not a Star Wars universe where the good and evil are equal forces and where we hope that one time God wins and another time that that, that, that darkness wins and, and it goes back and forth. No, Jesus is the dominant being in the universe and Satan must submit to him. You see, I want to say this to you today. In Jesus is healing. In Jesus is wholeness. In Jesus is restoration and forgiveness. In Jesus is freedom. But because Jesus loves us, he wants us to choose his power and authority for ourselves. He doesn't force it upon us. He doesn't make us accept it. He gives us the ability to choose him and his victory or to choose our own will. And here's my question for you today. Will you choose hope today? In the midst of your storm, will you say, Arise, shine, for my hope has come. You see, the empty tomb declares that Jesus is alive. Hope is here. So today as we close our our, our time together, as we close this Easter message, I want want to ask a few questions. I want to first of all pray for you. If if you're in a place right now where you you just need some hope, that you need hope to arise, I, I, I pray right now that where you're at that you would choose hope over fear that maybe you're carrying some heaviness, like that stone I talked about that was guarding the tomb. Maybe there's a heaviness in your heart and your spirit. And today, I just declare that you would release those burdens to God, that you would let go of those things because God has more for you, that Jesus is here for you. Father, I pray right now for everybody that can hear my voice, Lord, that that needs hope to arise, Father God, that, that is carrying burdens, Father God, that they would let them go and they would release them to you, Father. Lord, they would allow you to take these things off them, that hope would arise in their heart, that they would lean into the hope of their salvation, you, Jesus. Now, I know that as well, I want to share this, that many of you watching and listening that there could be a storm that's going on inside of your heart. You feel afraid about the future, guilty about your past. You cannot find any peace. You see, peace comes through 
surrender and or victory. Jesus won our victory, but it is required of us to surrender if we want to receive his peace. You see, I'm asking you today if God might be speaking to you. Maybe you've never made a decision to allow Jesus to be the leader of your life. You see, I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying to you today that it requires that you surrender to him. That you surrender to Jesus and embrace his forgiveness. If you're willing to give your life to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me? You can repeat this after me. Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me, to free me. Help me to become like you. I thank you for your death, your burial, and resurrection. And I receive your free gift of eternal life. Come on, everybody, right where you're at, let's thank Jesus today for the lives that he's touched, the things that he's changed. Let's thank him again today that he is alive, that he is risen in our lives. And for those of you that have made a decision to give your life to Jesus, here's what I want you to do. First of all, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Reach out to somebody. Let them know that you made that decision today. Or you can click on the pray button in, in our church online platform, or you can reach out to somebody online, or, or, or and somebody will connect with you. If you need help or encouragement today, please reach out to us at peter at eastsidecitychurch.ca so that we can connect with you. Again, I just want to say it's been a pleasure being able to share with you today, and I just pray that God would continue to encourage you, to lift you up, to give you more of his hope, because again, I say to rise, shine, your hope has come. God bless you, and happy Easter.